listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Across midfield, Jones just waiting for somebody. Jones inside the 20 to the 10, and for the fifth time in his career, will not be stopped. This drives and a pull up three. Oh, drives, dead high shooter. Blair to Patterson in the corner for three to midcourt. That's Mark at the buzzer. We are live for uh, another episode of Let's Rage Proof, the unofficial post-game show of the University of Houston Athletics. We're coming to you uh, live from different locations following the University of Houston men's basketball team's uh, first-round victory in the NCAA tournament, defeating first-round opponent UAB 82-68. to And Akib Adeon, thank you for joining me. I'll let you go around the table, let you introduce yourselves. My name is Andy Onnes. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Aonis underscore five. Dayon, where can people find you? Same. Follow me on Twitter at Dayon Dunlap at D-A-Y-O-N-D-U-N-L-A-P. And Akib, where can people find you, sir? Yeah, you guys can find me. It's on, on the screen here at Akib M. Ghazi on Twitter and at Instagram. And on that note, let's get right into it. So, like you mentioned, Houston, they're advancing. They're going into the second round of the NCAA tournament. They will face four-seeded Illinois on Sunday. But before we get into any of that and any of those specifics, let's start with this game. And really, uh, a game that Houston led wire to wire. They they set the tone early. They jumped out in front. Fabian White Jr. scored the first six points of the game. Uh, Kyler Edwards was the story of the first half. And, uh, he started off on fire. He hit his first five threes. Um, and we, something we mentioned it throughout the, the, the American Athletic Conference tournament where Houston is a different team when Kyler Edwards, the shot is falling. And for the first half, it, it was zero evident that uh, certainly in the first, the first half of the first half, which might sound a little weird, but it seemed like Houston was at a different level than UAB that did. The Blazers honestly just couldn't match. I'll give credit to the Blazers. They they were able to hang around, uh, were able to make a run. I think they cut it to within single digits a couple of times, but Houston was able to keep them at bay. Just your guys' overall thoughts. Uh, Dan, I'll let you go first for your overall thoughts of this first round game. Man, I, I was excited how Fabian, like you said, he scored the first six points. It really set the tone as far as like the intensity and how the game will go. I think when he did that, the way he did it, I think he made a free throw. Then he got inside, got a bucket, and then he made a three. And so just the way he set the tone and then Kyler kind of followed suit and he was hiding. Akeem said it in the last show, and, and we all talked about it. When, when Kyler is, is on and he's hitting, it can blow teams out. It just really looked like a well-done machine. Jamal Kashir did a great job of controlling the pace of the game. And he really put the clamps on Jelly Walker. I mean, all night, yes. just the intensity, the way, the attention to detail. You could tell Coach Sampson had them very aware of where he gets his shot set and how to defend him. You got to give credit to, to the defense. I mean, defense and rebounding helped set the tone along with Fabian. And it was a really good game, man, from, from start to finish. Yeah, like you mentioned, defense and rebounding. Uh, going back to a quote that Kevin Thompson said during the season, uh, defense and rebounding wins championships with what he yep. said. And uh, Houston certainly ticked all the boxes. I remember he told reporters on Tuesday that it was going to come down to, at the end of the day, could Houston rebound? Could they Could they contain uh, Jamie Walker? Could they contain uh, really the big three of UAB, which was Quan Jackson and and, uh, and uh, Michael um Blanking on his last name for a second, uh, Michael Ertle, Michael Ertle, and they were able to hold him. Now Michael Ertle had a had a decent game. Now when you look at Jelly Walker, he, he ended up with 17 points, which you know just on the surface looks decent, but he yeah. he was really he, really he had uh, 17 points on 18 shots, missed 12 of them, went one for 10 from the three point line, and like you mentioned, Jamal Shack was a big factor, and really it, he was he seemed uncomfortable the entire night, and he and there was a lot of shots that it looked like he was forcing up contested shots. I think Houston overall did a good job on him 
obviously, of course, Jamal Shedd, Tajay Moore. Uh, they were incredible in terms of their playmaking. They finished with 13 assists combined. They finished with 13 assists, only one turnover. Jamal Shedd had seven. Uh, Tajay Moore had six assists. So, I, I mean, from that standpoint, yeah, the playmaking from those two players, it was on another level today. What do you see from Shedd and Moore? Yeah, I mean, let's go through them one by one. I mean, let's start with Shedd. Uh, talked about how he kind of controlled the pace in the game and how he set the tone defensively. And he 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 was important along as far as on the defensive end, being that first line of defense, setting the tone and pressuring Jelly Walker, not allowing him to get any clean look, stopping the basketball, just putting pressure on him, making him think and see bodies at all times, chasing them off screens, making them put it on the floor. Then on the offensive end, Houston controlled the pace of the game. But that was what was most important on the offensive end, not allowing UAB to get out of transition and making them play to the speed that Houston wanted to play at. Jamal Shea did a good job of that, getting inside, creating for others, and really getting everybody involved. And then, like you said, Tazay Moore, man, he, he had a tremendous game. He shot the ball well in the first half and not so good in the second half, but his point total doesn't tell the entire story on how good of a game he really had. He ended up with six assists and four rebounds, like you mentioned. And one of those assists, I mean, was a highlight, a beautiful pass, a bullet pass down low. I think it was to Jaywan. And, I mean, those two two really played really well today, along with Kyler Edwards, who, who was tremendous. And we'll talk more about him in a second. Yeah, for sure. And we'll see. Uh, we'll bring back Akib, uh see if, if – um... Can you talk a little bit about so we can see if, if you're – Yeah, there. yeah. It's, yeah, it's good go. for me. Yeah. It's perfect. So, All yeah, right. on that note, uh, from what we saw from Tajay Moore and Jamal Shedmore, their playmaking, they combined for 13 assists, only one turnover. I think at one point they were at 11 assists, no turnovers, which is just absurd. And obviously, of course, we're – but um, I'll, I'll let you go first in terms of uh, what, you, what you saw from the playmaking. But, of course, we have to play uh, what arguably was a highlight of the game, Tajay Moore's rocket pass – uh, when he found J1 Roberts down low, it was, it was a beautiful pass, but uh, I'll let you go first. Yeah, on that note, on that pass, like, that's the kind of playmaking that Tajay Moore has, like, the ability to do that. And I know um, Samson has said it time and time again. He's, like, he's a guy that can make, like, that touchdown pass, but then he can also throw that interception. But today he was he was really good. I don't know if he ended up with any um, turnovers. I'm looking at the box score. He, yeah, he, Tajay he had Moore no did not. He didn't have a turnover, and he had six assists. So, mm-hmm. and he was getting it done too offensively. Like, like you said, you know. Also, again, on that mid-range jump shot is just it's it's smooth, it's butter for him, especially when he's posting up smaller defenders. And I think for me though, Fabian White is the guy who set the tone early on yeah. at the beginning of the game. I think he went on, he started the game six zero by himself. Um, and I thought, you know, earlier, and I think we we discussed this in the chat in our private chat that. I felt like they should have. We should. They should slow the game down. When the game started getting a little, you know, closer, I think it was maybe nine, eight, or something, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when they started slowing down the game again. That's when you know they started pouring on the buckets. Yeah, for sure. And along those night, uh, no, along what you just said, that point you made, uh, I think a lot of credit has to go with UAB because even in the first half, when Houston was shooting. Uh, I think they, at one point they were like six for seven on three-pointers and Kyler Edwards had hit like five. Uh, he hit his first five threes. Houston seemed to be on fire offensively, which Kelvin Sampson told TNT after the game. Like that's not usually uh, with the way the Cougars play. They they don't usually are a team that, that's on fire with their first shot. They're, they're more yeah. of a team that kind of kills you with, with the way they like to play. And that's go after the offensive glass, go after the rebound. Now the thing, the turnaround second half, Houston wasn't shooting it as good, but would be for the most part was still hanging around until the very end around the past the 10 minute mark in the second half. That's when Houston was really able to, to put the game away. Yeah, for sure. And I think that was, you know, watching the game, you never really felt like the game was going to go out of hand just because of how they were, they were, they, I mean, the tur- turnovers as a team, they only had seven. Mm-hmm. And I think um, that, for that majority of the, the, those turn a lot of those turnovers even came at the near the end of the game. So I think that was the key with this. They were just moving the ball, getting good looks. Didn't take – I didn't see very many bad shots, if any, you know, from the Houston Cougars. So I think – but also, yeah, credit to UAB. Like, they put on – they had they had 68 points. Um, yeah. And the three for them wasn't wasn't falling outside of um, Ertl. And he that guy, yeah, you know, Walker talk about – And Walker, yeah. Jelly Walker was struggling this game. He was one for ten. 
from three. But, you know, you have to give credit to the Houston guards. Like, they made it very, very difficult um, on Jelly Walker. And any any shot that Jelly Walker did make, it was a like a high degree of difficulty. So, you know, credit, credit Jelly Walker. He's a great player, but then the guards got it done for Houston. Dayan, circling back to you, uh, I know you cut off for a little bit. Was there anything else you wanted to add in terms of uh, UAB's performance and how they were able to hang around for, honestly, for a good portion of the game, especially in that first half, they managed to weather the storm, the offensive storm that Houston uh, came out the gates with? I mean, I, I really don't think they were ever in the game. I, they did make it close at one point, but Houston never allowed them to get within seven. So they was never really within striking distance. Anytime they would make a play to kind of – swing the momentum a little bit, Houston would make a play in. Really what stood out was offensively, which would started in the conference tournament, the ball movement. We talked about, I think it was like 20 assists on 25 made field goals in one of their games in the conference tournament. And that continue on today, in which while they look so well offensively, get 19 assists on 32 made field goals, 10 of 21 from three. But the ball movement, I mean, was stellar. We know the defense and the rebound. You're going to bring down any given night. When you move the ball, allow the ball, to find that open man and you knock down open jump shots, good clean looks, it's kind of like practice. And so, I mean, they play really well offensively, which is very, very important. I can't wait until the next game. And now we know it's going to be against Illinois, in which that was a crazy game. Yeah, Illinois. I think uh, the, the stat is that they only led for 25 seconds in that game. And at the very end, they were able to, to pull it out. Uh, credit to Kofi Colbert, who he's going to be the – uh, obviously, the the number one priority when Houston has to match it up with uh, matches up with him and and the Illinois team. Just in, he was able to make the big the, the play of the game. He he's got the second chance rebound off the missed free throw and put it back in. I think that that was Illinois' first lead of the game late in the second half. Um, we'll talk more about Illinois uh, down the stretch, but Josh Carlton, Fabian White. Uh, we we talked about it day on you and me talked about it in the in our pregame or our preview podcast that we had during the week. And we talked about how uh, one of the keys for Houston is going to be to be able to establish those two uh, certainly early. And I think that Houston did that, uh, especially uh, with Fabian White, who, like we mentioned, he scored the first six points. He did a good job of establishing the tone. And I think really that that was kind of the 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 key for Houston early on that, that it, it, like you said, it, even though the UAB was able to stay close, it, it always seemed like Houston was kind of uh, a step ahead of them. And certainly there was never a point where it seemed like Houston was uh, not in control of the game. Yeah, it definitely did. I, I, um, like we said, to start the show, I know Akeem just handed out a mention to go Fabian. I mean, him being an upperclassman, being the most outstanding player in the conference tournament, he, he really led by example to start the games, getting us first six points. And, and kind of set the tempo, and then um, Josh was dominant throughout the game. I feel like he should have had more points. I know there was like two or three bunnies that he missed, and I, I know he probably feels like he should have made him, so he really should have had 16 or 18 points. So he really played well. He has great hands. He catches just about everything. It's about just dunking some of those close-range shots instead of landing up and giving the chance to go out. But defensively, him and Fabian did a good job as well as protecting the paint especially on pick and roll. That's where they pick and roll coverage, how they play it, and force the ball to one way and not them allowing them to use the full court. It is really hard to play against, and I'm sure it's hard to duplicate at practice. And so, I mean, it, it, it was a great win. It's pretty much how UH just looked all season. I know some people who call themselves experts probably haven't seen Houston play as much as we play had UAB winning. And Houston just went out and played culture basketball. Reggie Miller talked about it in the opening, and that's really what they did. Yeah, for sure. I, I wanted to put that comment, like you mentioned, Dayon, uh, yep. certainly uh, uh, a point where, obviously, when you when you look at the brackets, one of the things that apparently was made uh, a point of emphasis with this bracket is that there's always a 12 seed that, that dethrones a 5 seed, and a lot of people were picking Houston to be that 5 seed that fell, and that was not the case. And honestly, with the, with the statement that Houston made early on, it seemed like they were um, – you know, they played much better than I've seen certainly early on uh, with the statement that they came out. Uh, I wanted to put the comment out there from Keith Perry said that Walker had non-impactful points. And I, I completely agree with that, especially, you know, yeah. whenever the UAB was able to cut it to, I think the, the closest they ever got it to, I can't remember it was nine or eight uh, around there in the second half. And, uh, you know, the the broadcast, Reggie Miller, Kevin Arnold, they kept talking about, you know, any second Walker could, could explode and it just never happened. It never materialized. And, 
Uh, like we mentioned, give credits to Jamal Shedd uh, and the bigs as well. Yeah, Josh Carlton defending uh, UAB's guards down low off the switches. He did a good job of, of hedging and, and forcing, not, honestly, not, not being able to let them go anywhere whenever they tried to do pick-and-roll action uh, off anything. They did a good job of shutting down UAB. And I think Houston did really well, and that was handle the pressure that UAB did, especially the full-court pressure. Um, and really, they, they made a point where UAB couldn't do it much because every time it seemed like they were going to try to do whether it was a two-two-one press or anything else that they, they tried to do, Houston broke it immediately, and and oftentimes it ended up in in an easy dunk for Josh Carlton or Jaywan Roberts. How, what did you guys see from that aspect? Obviously, of course, that, that was a big uh, point of emphasis. That was a lot of things that that meant the soft success with in the two regular season wins against Houston. But it seems like the Cougars did a good job of handling that against uh, the Blazers in this game. Yeah, I thought uh, exactly, Andy. Uh, whenever I was watching the game. I was watching it with my family and I, I pointed out, you know, that um, against the press, Houston's very good. Like they don't, especially with Jamal Shedd, Jamal Shedd, Tajay Moore, Kyler Edwards, they handle the press really well. And that's going to help them out big time against, you know, these teams that, you know, like for example, in Illinois, who I think they do press at times. So uh, guys like Tajay Moore, um, Jamal Shedd, Kyler Edwards, who can they can handle the ball, who don't make very many mistakes. Those guys, you know, I noticed that for sure that the they were able to get through the press with no problem. And I think that was for UAB that was going to be key if they were going to be able to put ball pressure on Houston's guards, and they really couldn't do that. And then on the opposite end, with you know when you, when you mentioned Jelly Walker, I thought he did good whenever he was using the picks to get free and get by some of our guards. Cause he did, he, when he had Fabian white, he was able to finish pretty quickly around guys like that or Josh Carlton. But I thought UAB, it was kind of a mistake on their part to not set, set him up more, you know, off screens. He was, they kind of let him go ISO and Jamal Shedd and Kyler Edwards just did not, you know, did not let him get, get to his spots. And Dayon, do you have any comments on how Houston was able to handle that pressure from UAB? Yeah, I think they handled it well. I mean, I think Akeem hit it, hit it right on the head. And all three guards can handle it well. But really, it was that um, extended pass, that outlet pass to not allow the zone to kind of pressure them. They attacked the zone in which you was able to get three on two or sometimes two, uh, uh, yeah, three on two opportunities down low or maybe even two on one. And so, Ty, um, Jamal did a good job of making that extra pass to, the, to Kyler or Kyler making it down to Tajay. And he would just make the right read. And often he would put pressure on the defense. It was like um, maybe two or three possessions in a row with Cole Sampson. I forgot the guard's name. Had him guarding Tajay. I just isolated him. and He just went one-on-one. And, but in transition, they handled it really well. That's why I said they really – Jamal Shedd gave him props for um, controlling the pace of the game. They weren't playing too fast. They just made the right play to get them in a position to execute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that guard Ertl, I think – I mean, he's listed at 6'2". I don't think he – yeah, I don't think he's – he might be closer to six foot, if anything. I mean, he did, he Even with Jamal Shedd, like, he looks smaller than guys like that. So, um, I thought it was a great game plan for Co- Coach Kelvin Sampson to – attack him. That's what it looked like. They they were trying to get Kyler Edwards on the ISO later in the game or a little earlier in the game. They had Tajay, you know, posting him up and, you know, that was very effective. Uh, one note I did want to make, uh, and this was if we're being nitpicky about Houston and their performance against UAB, there was a, a good stretch there where UAB offensively, they were doing a good job of being able to get into the paint and, uh, honestly, a characteristic a little bit. UAB got a lot of points, especially early in the first half. Uh, they they were able to get a lot of penetration and, and score off layups and a couple of defensive breakdowns. At one point at halftime, UAB was shooting, uh, I believe it was 62% from the field at the half. Now that Houston did a much better job in the, in the second half, um, actually holding them to just 30% shooting from the field. Uh, but is that any con, uh, cause for concerns in terms of Houston? And uh, what UAB was able to do, or it's just uh, a tip of the hat to UAB, because they, prior to this game, they were coming into this uh, first-round matchup on a seven-game winning streak in their last five games, which obviously, of course, had all been wins, uh, most of them in the Conference USA tournament. UAB had scored 80-plus points in all five of those outings, and Houston held them to 68 points. Is, is that anything that you should worry, or, or 
like I said, this is just a tip of how good UAB's offense can be. Yeah, I think early on you just tip your hat to UAB because they did a good job of moving the basketball and, and just making tough shots. I mean, Houston played good defense, like you mentioned, because the end result, they held them to 68 points to a team who averaged 80-something points. So I think early on it was just um, UAB playing well, moving the basketball, just making tough shots. Then the pressure just eventually just wore it down. It looked like look at make them broke down just like some cheap um, suitcases, some cheap luggage, man. They, they, they just eventually broke down. And, and Houston and just continued to pour on. And, I mean, just got to talk about Kyler. He was able to make open shots consistently. And when he gets his first couple to go down, it, it just like the, the, the goal just seems like an ocean. And we saw him do this in a couple game stretch, and it started with the tournament. And I think the momentum that he had, and, and just Coach Sampson said it was just a matter of time, I think he's playing on the flow. He has experience. He's been in his tournament before. He's been in the Final Four before, now with Houston. But – he isn't afraid of the stage. He definitely stepped up today. Yeah, Coach Sampson post game said it best. Like he said, Calv- uh, sorry, uh, Kyler Edwards. He said he's a Kyler Edwards is a good shooter. It's just he hasn't had a good shooting season. So I think that's how anyone anyone that's been watching Houston hoops can describe his game. Like you know, for for most of the season actually. So, but yeah, to go to get back to your uh, question, Andy. You know, I. I didn't see anything concerning. It was like a matter of, you know, when they did double some of the guards, it was just some of our bigs just didn't rotate over. And then I think they cleaned that up very well um, in the second half. So I wouldn't say it's something concerning. It's just now for we'll probably get into it a little bit later in the show with, you know, Coffee Coburn. But uh, I didn't see much that was concerning per se. Yeah, and on, on that note, I did want to this, – this is the clip that we got to show that arguably – uh, the way we described it uh, was to play the game uh, for Houston. Uh, give me a second to pull it up. This is courtesy of uh, the NCAA March Madness Twitter account. As you see, this where they are just going at Erd. What a pass! What a pass by Moore! That baby had some serious gas on it. Moore the other way. So nice, we'll see it twice. Where they are just going at Erd. What a pass! And if I'm not mistaken, that was plays right before, I mean, right after they isolated Tajay on that very same play. And you see him not over dribble, one dribble, and get it right out of his hands quickly. That was a beautiful pass. Yeah, and on that note, I'd like to welcome James Mueller of the Daily Cougar. Uh, James, thank you for joining us. I'd, I'd imagine you just uh, came off the, the post-game conference of the NCAA with uh, Kelvin Sampson and Houston players. Uh, before we get into any of that, just your overall takeaways of Houston's first round uh, yes. win in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, first of all. Um, yeah, um, I expected them to win. I thought UAB... I mean, they shot the ball really well in the first half. I was surprised at how well they did that, but I think Houston made good adjustments. Um, I was impressed by how Jamal Shedd um, defended Jelly Walker. I, Kelvin also commented on that in the post game. I thought he did a really nice job. One thing I'm looking for, like moving forward, though, is Josh Carlton. He's got to step up, in my opinion. He had some bad turnovers in the paint, especially going against Illinois and Kofi Cockburn. I mean, that's going to be a a big big matchup. But overall, I mean got the first one out of the way. And so we'll see how it goes from there. Yeah. Uh, before we go around the, the round table again, I wanted to share a comment that uh, UAB, UAB head coach, Andy, Andy Kennedy, uh, the other Andy, apparently <laughs> I was talking about Houston uh, and I quote, uh, defensively, their reputation precedes them. They are disruptive and quote, that's courtesy of Joseph Duarte of the Houston Chronicle. Uh, and it, it, that reminds me of uh, during the, the actual TNT broadcast, they, they did the, uh, sideline interviews with with Kennedy and he talked about how uh, how crazy they had been shooting the ball uh, he even mentioned if, if Reggie Miller had given Houston a pep talk uh, before the game just with how uh, much of an anomaly it had been with how well they were shooting it but really what was pointed out throughout the entire game was just how uh, relentless the team is defensively and I can't remember who it was I think it was Kevin Harlem who brought it up that it, this is something that Houston does for all 40 minutes and I know every now and then they'll, they'll go on scoring droughts where 
uh, whether it be for whatever reason they, they can't buy a basket. But one thing that never, uh, you know, lets up, one thing you can never tell if they ran a gas or anything is with their defense for the most part. And I think you saw it again in the second half where Houston was able to shut down uh, UAV offensively. And, and like we've mentioned throughout the entire show, how good of a defense they were able to do on Jelly Walker. Yeah, I think uh, we we might have shared this a little uh, earlier, maybe um, a couple of days back when they when we were going over like metrics for the NCAA tournament. Uh, we saw uh, Houston and Gonzaga; they're in their own little you know quadrant um, of statistics yeah. where they have the best, I think, runs. Um, they go on; they they hardly have like, scoring droughts, and they hardly have. Um, I guess defensive lapses where they let the other team go on big runs. Like today, I think UAB did go on like a, I think maybe a six zero run, seven zero run, something along those lines. But other than that, like they didn't really do much against UH. And that, that I thought that was very interesting. Like you know, f- from a fan perspective, I thought UH had like watching them over the season. I thought they do go on scoring droughts, but you know, according to the metrics that are out there, they don't. And I mean. They do score a ton compared to the teams in the American. So you could say they, you know, they do just as well as anyone in the country in that department. Yeah, because when they, when they go on those droughts, they still stop their opponents from scoring. And so yeah. it's not allowing the other team to go on the run because they still get no stops. And like you said, just 6 or run, that's maybe two or three possessions. But then not swing the momentum. Um, Houston would come down and execute and get a bucket to not the, to not allow the momentum to fully swing to the other team. And like you said, they've been doing that all season. So, I mean, they pretty much dominated this game really from start to finish from the way I watched it. Uh, for sure. And then, James, I'm going to toss it over to you again. Uh, was there anything else that stood out, whether it be uh, what Calvin Sampson had to say or, or did any of the players that were able to speak? Uh, mention anything, whether it be about this game or I'm sure they were asked about the upcoming matchup with Illinois as well. Yeah, I mean, the players didn't have a ton. It was it was pretty generic stuff. Um, Kyler Edwards did say that we're going to, you know, get on Illinois tonight and watch a bunch of film because, I mean, you have 20 or a little over a day to prepare basically before you're going to tip. Um, but, I mean, overall, I mean, they were just – you know, happy with how they played. Obviously they've got areas they want to improve on and stuff. Um, and, but Samson was just, you know, expressed again, like he said, all season, just, you know, how proud he is of this bunch with all they've had to overcome. And he meant, you know, he mentions all the time how hard it is to win in the NCAA tournament, no matter who the opponent. So um, he, they, there was just a sense of, you know, pride and relief that they got through this one. And um, I, like I said, they're, but their focus is quickly shifting because, you know, they don't have a lot of time in between um, now and Sunday, whenever that game time is announced. You know, I saw another tweet from uh, Joseph Duarte of the Chronicle that apparently Calvin Sampson had to stand up in the middle of his press conference because he had a, a cramp with his hip. So I uh, hope yeah. he's doing well uh, in that aspect. Obviously I think it, can't remember if it was 2020 or, or last offseason. I know he had a replacement hip surgery one of these seasons. I think it was in 2020 when they, when they were doing a whole bunch of Zoom meetings. But on that note, I want to put this comment on the on the board, and I want to get the the opinion uh, of the panel. Fabian, I, just, uh, I might end up butchering his name. Just courtesy, our YouTube comment, oh, be a man. Uh, Fabian is clearly pro-ready. That extra year doesn't hurt. And uh, Dayon, I see you nodding your head, so I'll let you take it first. Uh, do you agree with that comment? Because, I mean, I'm going to be quite honest. I, I do, especially with, like we mentioned, he, he set the tone early, like we mentioned, from a leadership standpoint. It's clear that, that Fabian White that he does a real good job of being able to rally the team, not only set the tone with his words, but set the tone by example. Yeah, I agree 100%. And, I mean, just look at his versatility on the offensive end. Not only can he make those spot-up three-point shots, and not only did he prove last year that he can make big shots, but he's really just showing his full um, offensive arsenal from being able to isolate in the mid post, go over each shoulder, left hand, right hand, and back you down, play big offensive rebound. I definitely think he's pro ready. And just looking at the pro game, I mean, he's going to be able to switch on those pick and rolls and go guard guards. And I mean, I, I definitely think that he could play at the next level. And I mean, he the extra the year definitely did hurt him, continue to develop his game and, and just expand. So now he's more than just a mid range shooter in which. He doesn't really shoot his mid-range as much, but he does score in the paint whenever they isolate him. And so I definitely agree. 
Yeah. And like you mentioned, that that extra year didn't hurt him at all. Instead, instead, it ended up helping him because he developed that three-point shot. And now he's become literally, uh, uh, to be quite honest, he might be the most uh, dead-eye shooter from that corner. It, it seems like he's almost automatic every time he has a, a wide-open shot. Uh, Akib, James, any any thoughts on that comment? Yeah. yeah. You know, go I, ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I totally agree with that. I and mean, even the extra year doesn't hurt. I mean, I think that's even an understatement because the guy he's shown – Fabian White has shown how he stretched out his game. He goes to that three-point shot now. And, and you know, Dayon, you mentioned it, that he doesn't really have to even – he doesn't even shoot his mid-range shot as much anymore. That's I think that's a little that's – that's how Kelvin Sampson has tailored uh, UH's offense to where I think two or three seasons ago, that was like a go-to, you know, shot. But I've noticed, like uh, – and also I've seen certain analysts mention how UH's offense this season has become more – you know, more so a like NBA style offense with you know if you watch their ball movement, um, and they they, they, a they do they do roll. a lot of pick and roll. You know, we yep. we noticed the defense obviously because how amazing they are defensively. I think they only allow like 50, 58 points a game uh, to their opponents, but like we don't we don't pay attention. We don't have to pay attention as much to the defense. I mean, to the offense, but they're a good offensive team. Like I think they mentioned um, on the broadcast. They're the top five in terms of teams that are in, I think, within like the top 10 of both, something like that, top 10 of both offense and defense. So we take, we oftentimes we take that, uh, the offense for granted. Yeah, for sure. And on that note, uh, I wanted to bring up the, the other comment this time by uh, Demirak, Demirak, uh, however it is. Sorry if we're butchering it, but like you mentioned, it's going to be the second year under Calvin Sampson that the University of Houston has, has reached that 30 win mark and uh, they're still going. Obviously, of course, the, the last time, the last team that got to 33 uh, wins came in uh, the Sweet 16 year when they lost to Kentucky and we're right there with them at the very end. Uh, had a chance to, to honestly upset one of those blue blood programs. Uh, I know the last few years have been crazy in terms of COVID and, and all those protocols, but arguably, certainly last year had they would have had a normal season. Uh, they had a couple of games postponed due to the act had straight up canceled due to COVID. Uh, arguably, we could be talking about three seasons of thirty plus wins for for the University of Houston. That just goes to show how how much of a turnaround uh, this team has, this program has made under Kelvin Sampson. Dan, I know you've been on the record multiple times. Just uh, you believe that Kelvin Sampson is the best head coach in, in the entire country, and certainly uh, the track record is there. And Charles Barkley echoed it at, in the halftime show. He said. Kelvin Sampson's want to – I want to get the quote right, so give me a second to pull it up. Uh, But there was a lot of high praise coming all around uh, from not only nationally, and this is Charles Barkley, see, Kelvin Sampson's one of the most underrated coaches in the entire country. And, you know, when you think about the top coaches, uh, obviously, of course, you have Coach K, you have John Calipari, uh, you have uh, Jim Beheim in Syracuse, kind of those traditional blueprint programs, but really the turnaround that that Houston has done in – since 2014 is absurd, uh, and, and we've heard Kevin Sampson talk about it uh, multiple times. Where really there was a lot of uh, uh, I'm blanking on the word. There was there was a lot of apathy. There we go. There was a lot of apathy with the program uh, in 2014 when he took over. Uh, obviously, there's always the the history of the going back to the five slime and jamma days. And I'm watching our podcast by the way, five slime and jamma. Uh, but uh, Kevin Sampson certainly been able to turn it around. And on that note, I'd like to mention that this is an opportunity for those that are watching. We thank you for, for tuning in, uh, whether it be on YouTube, Twitter, wherever you're listening. If you're on the phone, uh, we're driving home from one of those watch parties on Bluetooth. Drive safe. If you're watching from your house, thank you for tuning in. On that note, if you'd like to be a sponsor, this would be a good time to plug in because via the no-sponsored hotline, we bring in Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Ball Review. Chris, how are you? I'm doing great, man. Guys, is is Andy wearing a, a, a jacket coat there? It is the NCAA tournament. You got to go big or go home. Okay. I, I guess I didn't get the memo there because it looks like Dayon, Ake, or James, nor me got that same memo, man. Was it lost in the email somewhere? What, what happened there? Uh, you know, uh, you just got to feed out. You just got to wear it. And one of these days, I'm going to bring my shades if it was the middle of the day. You didn't tell us about it at all, man. I mean, you know. But that's okay. But uh, good to see James a part of this. And Dan, I like your backdrop there, brother. I like that. So that's another sign of progress for the show, the post-game show. So uh, 
it's amazing how the team can go make nine threes in one half, <laughs> make one in the second half. <laughs> but yeah. there was no doubt the game was really never in doubt in the second half. So, you know, kudos to the to the squad, Fabians. And it's also, I think, being a veteran team shines through. They didn't get rattled. You know, UAB made a run to be expected. Fabian said that in, in the post game tonight. But they don't get too high, don't get too low. They went back to what works and work, works for them. And they maintained pretty much a double did, did the lead throughout the second half. Yeah, Chris, on, on that note, uh, I'm curious to get your thoughts and just in terms of uh, the early matchup. Obviously, of course, Houston's going to advance to the second round of the NCAA tournament. They're going to play Illinois, who they, they had a scare in their first round matchup. Uh, didn't lead the entire game for, what was it? They only led for 25 seconds in that game. Ended up putting it late. Uh, Kofi Coburn probably with the, the play of the game with the, the offensive putback off the missed free throw. And that will be the, the team that advances and plays Houston on, on Sunday. I, I don't believe they've announced time yet for, for that not game. Not yet. I, I was I, I was looking at that before I joined you guys. And they yeah. had not yet announced that time so no, but uh, just initial thoughts on on potentially that matchup. Obviously, it's uh, certainly the the number one key player is going to be Kofi Colburn, and it'll be interesting to see how Illinois approaches Houston because obviously, of course, I mean we saw it today. The moment any post player for UAB touched the ball, there's always a double team coming nearby with their monster trap, and they're going to force uh, Colburn to have to make good passes and, and dish out of uh, that double team to be effective. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU. All Houston. All original. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU. All Houston, all original. I think that monster defense in the post is going to be key. See how Kofi handles it. It does. Today's game don't mean anything because it's going to be a different matchup on Sunday. But from what we saw today from Houston and saw from Illinois, Houston, I think, will be favorite to win the game despite it being a 5C versus a 4C. Coach Sampson told us in a press conference, James, Andy, you guys may know, Aki, you may know, a while ago, it's easier to defend a post player than it is to defend somebody on the perimeter because the Cougs with that monster defense, that monster double team in the post, so I'm going to see how Kofi handles that. Mm -hmm. Then it'll be up to Illinois guards to knock down threes and if the Cougs can recover out to those guys and make them tougher shots, I think this is a very good matchup for Houston because they have enough bigs to throw at Kofi. Now, he's an All-American. I'm not questioning that. But I think Houston matches up well against Illinois. Uh, I'll let uh, the, the panel go and, and uh, go off that comment. But I tend to agree, especially with uh, um, we've seen all season long really uh, – in terms of bigs that have given Houston problems, really the biggest two have been uh, Memphis with DeAndre Williams and Jalen Duren. And, and with those two players, they're a little bit different than, than Kofi Coburn in terms of, uh, first of all, they, they're able to play make off the dribble. They're, they're athletic, so they can make uh, the Houston bigs have to, have to move around. And Kofi Coburn is a, a little bit more of a traditional big where he's gonna, he likes to dominate in the, in the post. <laughs> he likes to – I mean, heck, he likes to go to work down low. That's something you don't see often anymore in this game. But, uh, you know, Dayon, I'll let you go first. What, what do you think about that matchup? I mean, two things that stuck out to me when watching Illinois, they gave up 16 offensive rebounds and they turned the ball over 14 times. And one thing we know about Houston is they're going to crash the glass and if they can force you to some turnovers, they're going to execute off of those turnovers. And so those two things I watch, I mean, jump shots not always not always going to fall. They were three from 17. Those three um, threes that they made all came in the second half for Plumber. But, I mean, I don't expect them to, to go there again. So jump shots aren't always going to fall, but they're, they're rebounding. I, I think Houston can dominate on the glass. They attack the glass like they, like they normally do. I think they have an opportunity there to really, really pound the glass and, and kind of control the tempo of the game once again, kind of speed up the guards of Illinois. 
And I, I think that's the matchup. I mean, like Chris said, they got different bodies to throw at Kofi. But I, I think their perimeter defense, they're going to make it tough on those guards. I mean, Cabello, he plays at a fast pace. He reminds me of like a lot of the guard at Cincinnati. He plays really fast, but he, he isn't the, the biggest offensive threat. But if you can keep him out of the lane, kind of make him – put pressure on him, make him to make quick decisions, speed him up a little bit. Like Chris said, I think it's a really great matchup for Houston. Yeah, I think also uh, there are two key players to watch from the three-point shooting perspective. There's Alfonso Plummer and also Jacob Grandison. And those guys shoot very well. They're both um, uh, 41% three-point shooters. But, you know, to Chris's point, Coffee Colburn, he's – but once once we trap him, I think he, he's not the best passer. I think he averages like half an assist or something like that. So he's not – I wouldn't say – you know, if we make it tough on him, he's not going to be able to make – it's hard to make those passes, honestly, out of, you know, out of the post. Like we've we've probably only seen it two or three times all season against the Cougs where the big was able to make passes. Like that. And that was Wisconsin and also I think uh, Memphis because Jalen Duran, he's a phenomenal playmaker. So you know, if if the other if the opposing team has a big that can spread the floor, can can make those type of passes, then it makes it diff, a little more difficult. But I think we have the UH has an advantage on that perspective. Yeah. Before you go, James Coburn had four turnovers today. Four. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think all of y'all have hit on good points, and I'd agree with the general consensus that Illinois is a good matchup for UH just because. Bigs are the strength of this UH team. The guard group's been thin. You'd rather play a group that's, you know, more front court centered than have a bunch of guards because UH doesn't have the depth at guard to do that. I still lean in favor of Illinois uh, just because I think in the end uh, they they can't shoot much worse than they did today from the field. So I think they'll heat up mm-hmm. a little bit, but it won't surprise me if Houston wins for sure. And, uh, you know, real quickly looking at, at common opponents that uh, Houston and, and Illinois have faced, uh, Cincinnati actually early in the season, a non-conference day, uh, they beat Illinois by 20 points. And in that game, Kofi Coburn had three turnovers. Uh, the other common opponent that the two teams have had was Wisconsin, which Illinois was able to beat. And uh, not only that, but uh, relatively convincing and obviously in that game, Kofi Coburn was the, the star of the show. We monster uh, with 37 points, 12 rebounds, and only two turnovers. So I, I what you guys have said, uh, you guys have hit all the points where uh, Coburn is going to be the key there. And if Houston can, can get him to turn the ball over and really uh, force him not to pass out and make him a playmaker, that's going to be the key for Houston. Uh, Chris, I feel like you want to say something else. Or, or... Well, one, I see the, the opening line – from uh, King Jaja or Ha Ha, never, never sure how I think it's King, it. King Jaja. I, yeah, I'm pretty he, sure he's on a Rockets stream show as well with comments. But uh, is Houston minus four? I think that's about right. You know, one key key that we we haven't really touched on yet is how the game is officiated. Yeah, if oh, if they sure. allow the Cougs to uh, be play physical without fouling early, advantage Houston. Because if they send two, three, four guys and just rotate bigs on, on Kofi, that should wear him down, and that should be to Houston's advantage. And then, of course, I think either side, limit turnovers, and then who makes more outside shots should win the ball game. And I, I think free throw shooting is going to come into play for because Kofi is not a great free throw shooter. And, you know, Josh Carlton, he kind of comes and goes with his free throw shooting. And Jawan Roberts – this young fella is just struggling at the line right now. So, you know, Coach Sampton says it. It's not that Houston is a bad free throw shooting team. They just have a few bad free throw shooters, being Josh and Jawan Roberts. So if other guys shoot the free throws, Houston should be okay. Ooh. Uh, I just have the tip-off time for Sunday's game. It's going to be at 11, 10 in the morning. Uh, so that's that's an interesting turnaround. Uh, Breaking news. The, the 48 hours. That's that's um, That's bad for both teams. Yeah, both teams literally just played. Yeah, uh, Illinois got off at, at eight o'clock Central Time. That's when their game ended. Actually, closer to eight twenty Central Time. Honestly, of course, Houston just ended about an hour ago. Uh, they have about a uh, thirty-six hour turnaround. They're both going to end up playing morning. You know, it's honestly that that might end up favoring 
Houston if it's one of those low-scoring, wow. ugly type of games. But, man, that they really did not do any favors with that game uh, being scheduled at 11, 10 in the morning. Um, it's it's going to be on CBS. I think – Wow. I mean, uh, it, it is like a short, shorter turnaround. It's less than 48 hours, obviously. But I think Houston as a team, they, they were able to get a little more rest especially their rotation players, their key rotation players. They got a little more rest than, you know, usual. Like Jamal Shedd was sitting for a good amount uh, during the game. I'm not – I don't have the stats up right now. Yeah, Jamal Shedd played 34 minutes, uh, Carlton 22, Fabian White 29. So, uh, certainly when you look at that – The bigs for sure, yeah. uh, Kyle Edwards, how many minutes did he play? He played 37. He he had his usual mark. I think that's usual for him. So, it's – man, that's – he's – Kyler Edwards is the one for me is the most concerning when it comes to minutes because I feel like when he's not when he's well rested and he and you when you see like today he looked springy when he was shooting his threes on the pull up also on catch and shoot so you could tell when he's he's not playing shooting his best and that's because he gets tired so I don't know how much it I would say favor UH but um, it is a short, short turnaround for sure. Dayon James, I have anything to say, not only in terms of the turnaround, but anything else about the matchup against Illinois? I mean, I was just surprised that they gave them, you know, they go from a late night game to the first game on I think it's the first game on Sunday, if yeah, I yes, it is. Um, which surprised me. But, I mean, there's nothing either team can do about that, so we'll just see what happens. Yeah, I'm surprised about that too. But another player that struggled today was Frazier. He's one of Illinois' leading guards. I've seen them play quite a few times, and he averaged around 12 points today. And he only had two points today. And so, like James said, I don't think they'll struggle from shooting. And so, I, I think Houston will not allow Kofi to get his, but want to make others beat them and kind of focus on not allowing those guards to kind of kind of go off. Because, you know, Kofi, as good as the player as he is, he's going to have an effective game. We just try to have to limit it and make it tough on him. Mm-hmm. And on that note, uh, Chris, I, I wanted to ask you in terms of the playmaking that we saw from Jamal Shadatajay Moore. Uh, they combined for 13 assists, only one turnover combined in that game. I think at one point they had 11 assists, no turnovers. That's that's really uh, impressive. I mean, someone put it on Twitter, they, they replied to me and they said that's clinic offensively. And certainly that's something that Houston, if, if they see that, that's going to be good for, for Houston where you're talking in terms of playmaking and really how well Houston was able to handle uh, UAB's pressure that they, they tried throughout the game. Props to Jamal and Tazi Moore. They did a, did a great job running the offense. You know, as you said it, 13 assists, only one turnover, fantastic. And it's one thing Coach Samson mentioned in the postgame tonight is that UAB's pressure defense didn't bother Houston because they had just seen it from Memphis. So they were used to it. They were used to how it looked. So they attacked it, got easy baskets more times than not. So kudos to Memphis. Yeah, I said that. Uh, kudos <laughs> to Memphis for, the, for the, uh, the style of play to help Houston kind of prepare, you know, for a pressure defense from UAB. No, for sure. And on that note, it, it actually reminds me of a comment. Uh, I can't remember who uh, – who, tweeted it. It was on Twitter that I saw that uh, apparently Kellen Sampson went uh, over to to Memphis radio guys after Sunday's American Athletic Championship game. And uh, along the lines that you said, Chris, he actually thanked uh, Memphis. He said that they brought out uh, the best in Houston. He said that both teams are going to make a run. So we'll we'll see if if that holds to fruition. Um, Wait, 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 Andy, are, are you saying that there's a mutual respect between the Houston and Memphis programs? Wait, yes, I, I didn't was, think that was, was possible small. according to the fandom, especially on on both sides, really, because sometimes I see Houston fans just throw all kinds of shade at Memphis. And then, of course, Memphis fans do the same thing here as we've seen on this, this postgame show. There's a mutual respect between both teams. Oh, I'm shocked. Oh, who would have thought that? <laughs> Speaking of Memphis, I got Memphis on the upset over Gonzaga. Let's talk around the conference. What do you guys think of, of that matchup? Because actually, I, on my brackets, I know brackets, probably all our brackets are probably uh, burning in, in the dust and in flames by now, with Kentucky <laughs> yes. losing. Um, but uh, anyways, uh, I actually did have uh, Memphis upsetting Gonzaga. And I, I certainly, I'm interested to see that Jalen Duren, Chet Holmgren matchup. I think that's the, the must-see matchup uh, tomorrow. 
I think Durham will spend more time on Timmy because he's a better low pull scorer, and they'll put Williams on Shed. And I've been seeing Shed Holmgren. I, I, I see potential. I see, but I don't. He doesn't look like a number one pick to me. I mean, at all. He it reminds me. He looks like he's going to be a Porzingis in the league. He doesn't do one thing great. Yes, he's seven foot. He can handle. He can shoot. He can block shots. So he's he's a good college player. But I think Durham is way better from what I've seen. And I think Houston's – I mean, not Houston, Memphis' length and athletic ability is going to give um, Gonzaga trouble. But Timmy is a problem on the block. I will say, Timmy yeah. is nice. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, Dan came with, with the hot takes today. Okay, but I think you were about to say something. Yeah, I think Rockets fans are not going to – are not going to like what you said, <laughs> Dayon, about Chet because they're, oh, they're, they're pretty low. high on Chet. Yeah. And, you know, from he, most he, experts – He won't yeah. be what Christian Wood is. <laughs> Dang! Oh boy! I think uh, <laughs> okay. Chris, I'll we need, only, we need to get I'll for sure. <laughs> I'll for yeah. sure disagree on um, just maybe the the defensive end because I think Chat is a much better from what I've seen defense defense on defense. He's better than what I've seen from Christian Wood. I mean, the guy. I think Chat had what like seven blocks or something. I don't know if that if it was, Against this is last Georgia sucks Georgia Southern, that, Georgia State. Yeah, that that's true. That's true. But he I mean he's a better help defender. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. And uh but yeah like Chad is great. But then uh I do have uh, like on half I, I filled out a couple of brackets and you know one or two of those brackets like I do have Memphis, you know, upsetting Gonzaga just because of the the sheer size. The teams that struggle the most against Gonzaga are the ones that don't have, you know, the length. So yeah. you have uh, with Gonzaga, you have uh, Chet Holmgren and uh, Drew Timmy. And both those guys, they can be, you know, defended from guys like DeAndre Williams and also um, uh, I'm blanking out and, and Jalen Dern, of course. So, yeah, those guys, they can I think they could pose some pose some problems. And also just one more point, uh, those Memphis guards, you know, they can yeah. they can D up pretty well and put a lot of ball pressure and they hit big shots too and i think memphis is like the perfect matchup yeah, yeah certainly uh Chris I'm, I'm glad we so. have i'm glad we have uh, very various opinions on here because memphis has talented you know we know that but one thing we're not sure how alex lomax ankle is because that bothered him in the first round game because if that's a problem for him because he is their best point guard it's not yeah. Tyler Harris. Tyler Harris gets hot. He's a streak shooter. But Alo makes Memphis's offense go much better. So if he has problems, that's going to be a problem for Memphis. And they still turn it over a lot. <laughs> so yeah. they cannot have a lot of turnovers against the Zags. Because if they do, they're going to get run off the floor. DeAndre Williams, he can't get in foul trouble. He is the, the heartbeat of Memphis. And he's got to control his emotions. You know, he's to be 25 years old, he is so hot-headed and emotional and passionate and all those things, but he does some things on the floor that get himself in foul trouble. Can't do that against Gonzaga. If, if Memphis plays smart, controls the turnovers, they got a shot. But I think he, Gonzaga's experience will help them win the game. He does a lot of talking on Twitter. I don't know if you've Oh, yeah. I've heard him. With he Jalen does a lot of talking yeah. in the games. <laughs> you know? yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. And on that note, I think we're, we're getting close to, to wrapping it up. Uh, Chris, James, I want to toss it to you since you, both of you were able to, to attend the post game with Kelvin and the players. Uh, was there something that, that – anything else that we haven't touched on that, that might be something uh, that stood out to you or, or something to keep an eye on in terms of what they said post game? I'll go first, James. This is not important because he seemed to uh, walk fine when he was finished. But – I've never seen this before. Coach Samson's final comments, he got a leg cramp. So he had to get up from his seat and finish the press conference, finish his comments standing up holding the microphone because the, the leg cramp was so bad he couldn't sit down and, and stretch it out. So he finished the comments standing up holding the microphone and then he walked off, no limp or nothing. So it was just one of those weird things. I don't know, but something... We didn't, there was not much talk about facing Illinois. It was more about the culture, the win, the veteran leadership of the team and the players. Solid win. Kudos to Jamal Shedd and the job he did on, on Jolly Walker. 
team Houston, a good solid Houston win. It's not pretty. They don't play pretty ball. They win. Yeah, like Chris said, I don't really have much to add. It was most of the stuff that people who have been covering the team has heard, have heard all year of just, you know, about the things that Chris mentioned in the culture, the toughness, the hustle plays that results in wins. Um, and there, like Chris said, there wasn't much, you know, preview of the Illinois game. I'm sure they're going to be up late tonight uh, devouring that film and coming up with a game plan. Um, so, yeah, we just got to wait and see what happens. And one last thing, Andy, for everybody. This team has won 30 games. They are 30 and five. So the national haters, some local haters, do y'all realize what Kelvin Simpson and the staff have established here with this program? 30 I'm- wins, three times, two, two 30 win seasons, eight years for Coach Sampson. This team is nationally relevant. And they got a chance to go back to the Sweet 16 if they win Sunday. And 20 wins is considered a benchmark for like a good year. And 10 wins above that is just insane. That's not counting uh, COVID. My bad. uh, I didn't mean to cut you off. But I I wanted to put that comment again. Apparently, you know, Kyrie Lewis only had uh, three 30-win seasons in his tenure. Calvin Sampson already has two. And and arguably, had they had a full non-COVID year last year, probably hit that benchmark again. So, and certainly, Chris, you mentioned it last week, uh, there was a lot of chatter of, was Houston seeded too low as a five seed in terms of what they were able to do this season? Uh, that's now four straight NCAA tournament appearances. In all four of those appearances, they've won at least one game. And that that's a, an incredible benchmark, and it's certainly something that, uh, the, as the old saying goes, and I guess this is an offense reference, but you're in the good times now, so you better enjoy it because once once you leave them, you'll 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 realize that you're no longer in the good times. Yep. I don't know who I got yeah. cut off, but um, yeah, I mean, especially you're looking at a team that does fairly well on recruiting end, but they're not recruiting guys in the top 100 regularly outside of maybe this this season this coming, coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, but like to to be able to, I think the the statistic is like in the last five years, Houston is the second most winningest program you know, in the country. And this is not, supposedly it's not a blue blood program, but it's approaching that territory the way Samson has coached this team. So it seems to me like they're, they deserve more of their, especially coach Samson. I think Jay Billis, who, I mean, I, I, I like Jay Billis, you know, as an analyst, um, you know, I think the world of him, but I, he didn't even have coach Samson as his top 10 coach heading into this tournament, which to me is like ridiculous with the injuries that they had. They now have 30 wins. So it doesn't make sense to me. So Jay Billis, if you're listening, you made so, a mistake. <laughs> and, the, and the last thing, Dan, you can, you can close it out. I like it. The phrase, I think the team last year's team coined it and Justin Gorham kept, you know, saying it. It's not a blue uh, blood program. It's a blue collar program. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Houston Cougars are. I mean, you kind of dropped the mic there. That's what I've been saying. Why Coach Sam? I mean, he's the goat. I mean, just watching him on a on a game to game basis, the end game adjustments he makes, this how he empowers his players. I mean, uh, when they move into the Big Twelve, and then you start seeing this regularly, I think he will even get more credit because you see Bill Self get a, a lot of just doing rightfully so because he's in Big Twelve conference. So when he continues his dominance in the Big Twelve. Uh, and, and, I mean, this season isn't over. I mean, depending on how it goes, you can continue to get more um, attention. But I think Coach Simpson, man, he, he's a Hall of Famer for sure. And on that note, we'll close it out. Another successful S for each Kooks, I'll say. Um, I'll be right there. So, I know the team gets to advance, and so do we. So, we'll be back on Sunday. Apparently, we'll have lunchtime post-game show on Sunday. Uh, depending on, obviously, of course, the conclusion of Houston Illinois, and and we'll break down uh, whatever happens in that game. So uh, go around the table, James. I'll let you go first. Where can people find you uh, on the social webs, and where can people find your work? Yeah, um, once again, thanks for having me. I love that y'all started this. Um, it's awesome. Um, you can find me on Twitter at JDM2186, and then uh, all my work is at thedailycougar.com. Dan, where can people find you, sir? You can follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is listed below on the screen at Dayon Dunlap. 
Be sure to follow me. Follow official pod Slammer Jammer media account as well. And I could. Yeah, it's uh, my Twitter handles and Instagram handles listed on the screen here at Akib M. Ghazi. And uh, you can follow me covering UFC for Apollo Houston. Also, um, anything Cougs related or Rockets. And Chris, you'll get to uh, round us out. Where can people find you, sir? And, you know, I'm, I'm Chris Gardner on Twitter, VHR Review, YouTube, Houston Round Ball Review, Instagram, same thing, Houston Round Ball Review. Website as well, HoustonRoundBarReview.com. I'm going to be part of uh, the Less Rage Cougs on the as-yet-to-be-sponsored hotline. Hint, hint to you eight alums out there. Get that uh, hotline sponsored because we believe in the potential of this post-game Less Rage Cougs going forward. So help us continue doing what we're doing. Thank you for everybody tuning in. And you got it. Yeah, and on that note, we've, we've had a good trial run. I'll say it. We have at least one more game. At max, what we have four, three, four more games possible, uh, depending on how far they go. So uh, I think we've had a success. And like you said, as the ticker reads at the bottom, wherever you're listening on Apple or Spotify, if you're listening to this uh, after it's live, uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast at Jamma on Twitter. Uh, be sure if you're interested in ads, sponsor reads, we'll do it all. And obviously, of course, heading into next season. Uh, the football program looks to capitalize on their 12 and two season. The basketball team is going to be bringing in uh, their best recruiting class. Uh, I, it might be, I don't want to say of all time, certainly since Kelvin Sampson has been here, been here in terms of the, the star potential they're bringing in with, with Jairus Walker and Terrence Arsenal and Emmanuel Sharp already in the team. So it's exciting times. And obviously of course you have the big moves to the big 12 on the horizon. So hey, we're trying to build up from here. We thank you for everyone who tuned in, who viewed the show, or if you're listening after. We appreciate it. Uh, I'm Andy Yannis. You can follow me on Twitter at Ayanis underscore five. And we thank you. We'll see you on Sunday. <laughs>